At First Rounds on Me, we believe that one real date is better than 100 pen pals. With our mobile dating app, we make it fun and easy for you to meet someone in person for a real date. See someone you're interested in? We help plan your date. Pick a drink, a time, a venue, and send that person a date invite. It's that simple. You only get one confirmed date per day. Give your full attention to one person at a time so you can actually get to know each other in person. Our key differentiators allow you to focus on what's most important, dating with intention and connecting with someone in person. Once your date is confirmed, you only get 12 hours to chat before your date starts. If you're tired of the endless small talk with pen pals on other dating apps, First Rounds on Me is for you. Welcome back to Crowdsourcing Love. Today I have Dr. Morgan with me. Hi, Dr. Morgan. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited that we could finally do this. My phone is going off as I'm like turning my phone to focus. Um, <laughs> thanks for being patient. It's eight in the morning. We're here early. Yes. Thanks for making it. Um, so you are an author. You're an attachment expert. Can you introduce yourself further? Yes. So I'm Dr. Morgan Anderson. I'm an attachment theory expert, clinical psychologist, and author of the book Love Magnet. Love Magnet. Mm -hmm. Okay. What inspired you to write Love Magnet? I wanted to write something that would speak to people who are struggling in love and they haven't found their person and they don't know why. And they're seeing all their friends getting married. They're like, what about me? And yep. I just wanted to write something that was relatable but also experiential. Yeah. So there's exercises, there's things you do in the book mm -hmm. because I feel like people really need that. Um, but it's it's basically everything that you need to become securely attached is okay. in that book. I love that. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to dig into that a little bit more. But before we do, I'd love to just learn personally, like, where do you live? You know, what's going on in yeah. your life? So I was in Southern California pre-pandemic, and then I actually moved to Bozeman, Montana. And okay. now I have five acres and built a house and I'm living the farm life. Oh, I love that. <laughs> and you're in a relationship. I am, yes. Okay. Long term. He's amazing. It's the best relationship I've ever been in. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, So why should people learn about attachment and how can they use and apply this information? So I always tell people attachment theory is the missing piece to the dating puzzle. It basically allows you to understand why you do what you do in mm -hmm. relationships. And then with understanding comes compassion. And then we can choose differently Okay. once we understand why. Yep. And it's also going to help you understand why other people do what they do. Mm -hmm. Like you have that great date and then the guy doesn't call you for three weeks. Attachment theory helps you understand why that happens. Yeah. So then you're not blaming yourself, right? Mm -hmm. No, that's that's really helpful. And I feel like if you know what to look out for, you can also maybe avoid certain attachment styles exactly. if it doesn't work for you. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what's the biggest misconception about attachment? So there's this um, idea in the research, and this was in earlier research where they thought once you know your attachment style that it could never change. Like if you're anxiously attached, you're mm -hmm. always going to be anxiously attached. But now we know, and certainly my experience would prove this as well, 
that you can really change your attachment style. You can actually move towards secure attachment okay. no matter what your current style is. What are the main attachment styles? Yes. So we have anxious, avoidant, disorganized, and secure. Okay. So there's four. There's four. Okay. And can you give us like a little brief description of each? Yes, absolutely. So with anxious attachment, um, this is where you're prioritizing the relationship above yourself. There's fear of abandonment. So you constantly are thinking about, oh, this relationship could end. And then the other thing with anxious attachment, you need reassurance a lot. So you're Mm. reaching out to your partner a lot. Yep. You want that reassurance. Um, There's so much more I could say, but that's a good synopsis. And then with avoidant attachment, you have hyper-independence. So this is a very independent person. They really struggle to ask for reassurance or ask for what they need. Um, And oftentimes, they don't like maintaining closeness for long periods of time. Okay. Yeah. And so they're afraid that either they'll not be a good partner so that they'll let someone down. Okay. Um, or that they're going to lose themselves in a relationship. Mm. So this is a lot of times the guy that's like, I don't want a relationship. I'm just really focused on my career right now. Yes. How many times have we heard that? A million. A million billion. <laughs> like I hear that every day of my life, to be honest. So that's likely avoid an attachment yeah. style. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then disorganized is also known as fearful avoidant. Okay. And this is a mix of anxious and avoidant attachment styles. And it's like a pendulum, okay. a pendulum swing. So yeah. you're just going between the two. Yeah. And this one is like, I'm in the relationship. I want out of the relationship. I'm in, I want out. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting and really confusing. Yeah, that yeah. sounds actually so exhausting. Mm-hmm. I like a little bit relate to that. Yes. But we'll talk about that later. Yes, I can't wait. Um, and then what's can you describe secure? So I love talking about secure attachment. Secure attachment is where my needs matter, your needs matter. I value myself and my independence. And I mm-hmm. also value the relationship. Yep. And I can set boundaries. I can speak assertively. I can ask for what I need. And relationships generally feel good. Yep. They feel easy. Yeah. Right? That's where we all want to be. We all want to be there. But sometimes I find myself pushing the secure relationships away because I find them to be a little bit boring. Is that a common phenomenon? (laughs) Yes. This is what I did for like a decade. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you see that a lot. At least I, I know do. it's normal. And it's I like, normal. although it's normal, it's not something, it's not somewhere I want to stay. Right. But I feel like self awareness is the first step. Yeah. This is so common because what's really fascinating about your attachment styles, it's also connected to what you learned about relationships from childhood. Mm-hmm. So you have working models of what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, a, a, a homeostasis of your relationship, right? So you're more comfortable with people who are not securely attached based on your childhood experiences. And could it also be, is it just based upon childhood or is it also based upon like early romantic relationships? Look at you with the good questions. I'm curious, yeah. So old research used to say that it was only childhood, but now we have a lot of data that says, yes, it's also your early romantic experiences that have a huge impact. Because that was the one that was kind of like the bomb, like my first love, my first four-year relationship. It was very up and down. Yes. It was crazy. There there you go. Yeah. That explains a lot. It does, unfortunately. Um, So which attachment style is the most common? Honestly, believe it or not, people struggle to believe this, but secure. 
secure is most common. It's about 50% of people okay. have secure attachment. Okay. And then how about the least common? Could you break down the rest of the percentages? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got 25% anxious attachment, second mm-hmm. most common. Um, and then 20% avoidant attachment and 5% disorganized or fearful avoidant. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but most of the secure attached people are taken. Is that true? Is that why it's so hard to find a good one? Oh, my goodness. I love this. So, no, it's not true. What what ends up happening is um, we're not attracted to those people. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and I can speak from my experience. Yeah. You know, when I experienced um, anxious attachment and disorganized attachment, I really experienced both. Mm-hmm. I was simply not attracted to securely attached guys. So I yeah. had to I had to change myself in order to be attracted to that. Mm-hmm. So how did you change yourself? That's what I teach people to do. Okay, tell us more though. Yeah, I <laughs> need to like, know. Let's go right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in like, this I, episode, I need the tips. I need the tricks. I need at least like the high level concepts. Okay, the high level. Okay, so the first thing I always help people do is really get awareness. Okay. Right. So that's understanding your attachment style. We also look at your past. Mm-hmm. We do what's called a relationship inventory. Okay. So we look at all your past relationships. And then we look at what are the beliefs that you developed about yourself and about relationships based on those experiences. Mm-hmm. And then I help you let go of those beliefs. So wipe the slate clean. Yep. And then we rewire your brain with healthy beliefs, empowering beliefs about yourself and relationships. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is teaching you how to embody secure attachment. So not just like logically know what it is, Mm -hmm. but actually show up in a securely attached way. Yeah. And then I give people all the the tools and tips and everything that you need to navigate early stages of dating, to build Mm -hmm. a secure relationship, conflict navigation. It's kind of like the how-to course for healthy relationships that none of us got that we needed. So it's amazing. Yeah. So that's kind yeah. of what I do in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's amazing. It's what I did on myself that worked. And then and now I've now helped you, 500, yeah. over 500 people do it. And I love that you're also the clinical psychologist. So like, you know what I mean? You have yeah. like that like depth of background too. Yes. Um, that's that's really amazing. Thank you. Are men more avoidant and women are more anxiously attached? Or is that just a stereotype? That's incorrect. So this one's fascinating because yeah. the reality is, is in the past, that would have been true. Okay. And now we're seeing more women develop avoidant attachment styles. Why do you think that is? So I have my theories about this. Yeah, There's let's research go into it. that's needed. Okay. But I, I really think that, um, you know, a lot of us were raised in the era where we're taught to be independent women. Mm-hmm. We don't need no bad, you yep. know, whatever. Maybe yeah. some of us had single moms who really said, you know, you got to take care of yourself. So there's been this rise in career women mm-hmm. and putting our career first. Yep. Hence more avoidant attachment and fear of intimacy in women. Yeah. Um, but also I want to say for men that a lot of times we don't think about like how men are socialized. Like our society does not support men being emotional, expressing yeah. themselves. So it's not as much about their biology. It's more about the society and what's acceptable. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of men feel like they can't 
express their emotional needs or their yeah. needs for intimacy. They didn't have it modeled. Beyond just sex. Like, it's, yeah. like, always sex, sex, sex. But it's, like, okay, is sex code word for, like, actually, like, emotional closeness? Right. Ooh. I don't know. Right. We should talk about sex and attachment because I think you would really like that, too. How does sex affect attachment? So... One phenomena that's really fascinating is when you have an anxiously attached person and avoidantly attached person, it's likely that the only time that the anxious person is actually getting reassurance is during sex. So this is why in that dynamic, the sex is crazy intense mm-hmm. and the anxious person can just feel like they they need it, mm-hmm. right? Because it might be the only reassurance that they're getting in the relationship if the avoidantly attached person can't verbally articulate things. Yep. Does that I make res- sense? I resonate with that so hard. It's actually kind of scary. Like, I feel right. like I, because I am anxiously attached, a lot of my partners have been avoidant. Right. And sex would be the only time that I would feel that closeness that I desired. Yeah. And so I would, everything was about sex. Like, I feel like I was hyper fixated on sex. Yes. Just because that was how I was able to get my emotional needs met. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if that's the only way, then of course you're going to almost feel like you're addicted to it. Like people will say that because that's the only way that you're getting those needs met. So it's really important to realize that because in a securely attached relationship, there's going to be lots of other ways that you're getting reassurance. Mm -hmm. And this is why people are like, oh, the sex isn't as intense, (laughs) right? Yep. And it's because, well, you know, you're getting your needs met in other ways. And it's it's a, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, that's actually so true. So with that being said, like a lot of people prioritize sex above everything else. Mm-hmm. Like they'll break up with someone if they don't have a quote unquote sexual connection. Do you think that we're over prioritizing sex in our society when it comes to finding a long term romantic partner? It's really interesting. I think it's so individual. It really depends on the person. Okay. I do think that sometimes people mistake a sexual connection for an avoidant, anxious dynamic. Really? I do think that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes complete sense to me. So if someone's making this mistake because I made this mistake repeatedly, you know, throughout my adult dating journey, um... Do you say then, like, give the guy who does seem maybe a little boring, a little bit more stable, give him more time? Is that the recommendation? Here's the deal. Mm -hmm. It won't – you could do that, although I don't think it's going to work out unless you work on yourself first. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost like trying to put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because okay. cause I tried that. Oh, you did? <laughs> You're like, I did it. Like, I like went for the stable guy and I just like shushed my inner voices and I was like, be calm. And then you – and it didn't work? No, because you won't be able to maintain that relationship until you've changed yeah. internally. Because and- you'd almost feel in- disingenuous. You'd feel yeah. like you were faking it basically. Mm-hmm. Why do people in our society view dependency as bad? And can you talk about the dependency paradox? Absolutely. So here's the thing. Codependency Mm -hmm. is not healthy. Okay. 
And hyper-independence is not healthy. Mm-hmm. So we think about this from an attachment lens. Hyper-independence is avoidant attachment style. Codependency, anxious attachment style. Okay. So what is it that we want? We want interdependence, which is where I can depend on myself and I can depend on you. Mm-hmm. So... The thing is, once we realize that, oh, I can depend on myself and I can depend on you, then that actually frees us up and we don't need as much support from others. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the paradox. Um, But I think it gets a bad reputation just just based on um, people's own experiences of being let down or different Mm -hmm. trauma. Yep. But in reality, we need each other. Yeah, we do. I mean, humans are social creatures and we're meant to find partners. And so like if you're just going to shut out the world, like that's not going to work for you. Like you it's we do depend on each other. And that's why we're still around like as a civilization like and biologically. We need each other and we need ourselves. Yes. Yes. And I think that like living in an individualistic culture we are conditioned, all of us, like be self-reliant. But I think that like actually having a safe romantic connection that you can come back to after like being out in the world, being able to come home at the end of the day to, you know, a secure relationship, you're going to go further, whether it's in business, whether it's in all these different avenues. You know, you hear about people who are like, I'm going to make it in my career first and then I'm going to get in a relationship. Mm. But actually, if they had that stable connection at home, that person would actually propel them, not hold them back. But everyone thinks that the relationship is going to hold them back. And like, that's how I and I even thought that for a while. Yes. I think the wrong relationship will hold you back. Yes. I think the right relationship will propel you forward. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, I mean, but like, do you see that a lot where people are just like phobic of actual commitment? Because we have so many situationships. Can you talk about how situationships also impact your attachment style? Yeah. What it is is it's comfortable for people because you're not having to have long-term, deep, vulnerable intimacy. Mm-hmm. So people might think, oh, I I can handle this. I'm not going to let somebody down, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm not going to lose myself. So it's just a way to maintain a relationship because it, it just feels more comfortable. If Without that commitment or title. Yeah. And then you're saying, I'm not having to be vulnerable. I'm not having to really be seen. Mm. So that just feels much more comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think just to echo what you said, I mean, Warren Buffett, he talks about who you're going to marry is your most important decision. Yeah. And why is that? To expand. Because he, so Warren Buffett said that a relationship is going to impact every part of your life, Mm -hmm. right? And he talked about how marrying his wife was the thing that really propelled him in his career. And he's one of the most successful people of our time. Yeah. How about the the women or the men who are 30 years old or or older and they've never had a long-term romantic relationship? Yeah. You know, what's going on there? Because I talk to people all day, every day who are saying, I'm trying but it just hasn't clicked. Like, what are your recommendations about or to those people? And I've I've worked with people like that. Mm-hmm. And I have so much compassion because yeah. I think it's one of those things almost the longer you wait, the more fear builds mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Um, honestly, I believe in really deep belief work at that point. Really looking at what are the beliefs that were wired 
for you about relationships. Yep. It's likely that there's some unconscious things going on and there's there's some real blocks. So we have to remove those, change the beliefs, mm-hmm. and then the behaviors will change. Yep. Um, but it's hard work, you know, and you really can't do that alone. You really need to seek out help to do it. Yeah. So we have a few minutes left of my portion of the podcast. Yes. So I definitely want to ask you some of my listener questions. Great. Let's do it. Um. So this person said, why do anxious and avoidant people always fall in love? Um. And if it does happen, can they make it work? Yeah. So they fall in love because they match each other's blueprint for what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. So it's like a magnet. They are so attracted to each other. Yep. And here's the thing. They actually can make it work. That, they can. That answer surprises people. Okay. They can, but the caveat is they have to both want to build secure attachment, Got which it. can be rare. Yep. But it can happen, right? Mm-hmm. If you have two people who say, yes, we want to co-create secure attachment and they both show up and do the work, mm-hmm. it's absolutely possible. Okay. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, my next question is, um, tips for dating while anxious. So one of the biggest things with anxious attachment is you're so focused on the external and you're thinking about, oh my gosh, I hope they like me, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is really build that relationship with yourself and okay. start tuning inward. So when you're on the dates, you're saying, how do I feel? What do I need? Do I like being in the presence of this person Mm -hmm. and really tuning inward? And then my other big tip is develop self-soothing strategies. I love that. Okay. So like, for example, could you give a few examples? Yeah. So maybe you learn how to do a mindfulness self-compassion meditation that Mm -hmm. you could do whenever you need to, or you start journaling or you start a daily yoga practice, but you want to build habits that help regulate your emotions Mm -hmm. so that you're able to show up with a more secure baseline when you're dating. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, That reminds me, I feel like when I do, or in the past when I got emotionally dysregulated, I would do a lot of protest behavior that would self-sabotage me where I would call them a million times or I would text them crazy shit. Like, and it's just like I'm shooting myself in the foot. Yes. What normal secure person would early days see that and be like, oh, that's somebody I should be with long term because mm-hmm. it's pretty like dysfunctional. Yeah. And the thing is, is you're giving away your power when you do that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying like, hey, I need you to make me feel better instead of what can I do to, to help regulate myself my- feel better. Yep. And then go to my partner after I've self-soothed. And calm down so yeah. that you're in a rational state of mind. Yeah. yeah. I always say you want to put it through a filter. You want to say, what would securely attached me do? Yeah. Like your higher self, your yes. secure self. Yes. Put it through that filter. And I know it's not sending the 17 text messages, although we all have been there. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to do that. I think it's more common than people want to talk about because Absolutely. it's definitely embarrassing at the same time. Um, this person said, um, if, avo- if avoidance aren't comfortable expressing their emotions, how do you feel loved in a secure relationship? So this is definitely an opportunity for feedback, for open, honest communication. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm hearing there is that is that that person feels like they need that in order to be loved. Yeah, they need to hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is where love languages come in, which is Ooh, really fascinating. Okay. 
So what's cool is when you have secure attachment, you're better able to ask for the love language that you need. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing is that that person doesn't feel like they can ask for what they need, which is an issue. It is an issue. But what if you went to your avoidant partner and you said, hey, I need this and that then pushed them away. Then is that your cue to leave the relationship? Because I mm. think that here's another thing. Every relationship, whether it's secure, avoidant, anxious, whatever, conflict arises. That's just a natural part of life. Right. And so it's like how can you differentiate like, oh, this is a normal conflict versus, oh, this is a dysfunctional dynamic when it comes to attachment style. I love that you asked that. So – I always tell people you need to be able to have a foundation of secure attachment that has to be able to be built. And here's the thing, like just because you can function in a relationship, does it mean that you should? Okay. I think that we want to pick people where they want to build with us. They want to build secure attachment. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be people where it's easier to do that than others. Right. So I think set yourself up for success by picking somebody who wants to show up with you okay. and do the emotional labor with you. Okay. It just makes life so much easier. Yeah. No, right? that's, that's a really beautiful sentiment. Um, so before we transition, um, what is your biggest piece of relationship advice or your biggest mantra when it comes to romantic relationships? So... I have so many, but the one that's coming to mind right now Mm -hmm. is stop watering plastic plants. Ooh, okay. So, so many of us do this. We give our energy to relationships that can't grow. Mm -hmm. So stop giving your precious energy to something that's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You you deserve to water a plant that can grow. Yeah, and there's plenty of plants out there that are real and they will grow. Absolutely. So keep it moving if, you, if you're watering a plastic <laughs> plant. I love that. Cool. Yeah, because so many of us do that. We're like, oh, what if they go to therapy? Or mm. what if I have them read this book? Or what if I ignore them for three days? Like we try all these things. We give so much energy. And it's like actually just believe who someone is when they show you. Just believe them. Yeah, and don't – the whole, like, don't text them for three days and you're just suffering yeah, that entire no. time, that's not a way to live. Don't play games. No. No. And I think you have to realize it's not about you. A plastic plant doesn't have capacity to grow. You could water it. You could give it oh, sunlight. True. It's not about you. You are enough, mm-hmm. right? It's them. It's them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to a very special in-person episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. And we have a really great guest with us. I'm here in New York City, and we have Marin, And she is from Life of Marin NYC on Instagram. And this is such a lovely guest. You guys, she went on 28 dates in February. I did. So 28 dates in 28 days. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. So you know a lot about dating and I just can't wait to ask you all the questions. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. To tell the audience just a little bit about you and kind of how you started this platform. Give us just a little info about you. Yeah. So it, last January I was so single and I wanted to take radical action and I was also like new to my vlogging journey. And so I was kind of looking for a challenge that I could 
vlog at the same time and like I said I was painfully single I don't even think I was texting anyone mm. because I was caught up in the cycle of just like dating my coworkers who were significantly younger than me mm. and I knew it wasn't gonna go anywhere mm. um so you know January 31st I told the world hey I'm gonna go on 28 dates in 28 days and it went viral almost immediately and that actually held me accountable, right? Like it was like a full dating reset and then the whole world was watching. And I dated um, I think around like 15 different men. Um, a few of the relationships regressed to like fifth, sixth, seventh dates. But then, you know, spoiler alert, but none of the relationships worked out. But during that journey, I started to attract a global following of women who were like, wait, like I feel empowered by your platform because I feel like I haven't dated in years, but now I see that you're 31 because a lot of people share their dating journeys, but usually it's 22-year-olds. Right. And I'm like, fuck the media, fuck all the stigma surrounding being an older, not older, but like being 31 and dating, a lot of people don't talk about it because the media says you're washed up after 30, no one wanted you. And I was like, I'm taking my power back and I'm going to yes. share this dating, journey, this dating journey. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It gives me goosebumps Thanks. thinking about it. It's so powerful. Yeah. What was it like to vlog it, to share it? Were there times you were like, I don't want to post this? Yes, because I started to catch feelings for different people. And a lot of the guys who I was dating at the beginning of the challenge, they were like, finance guys they were people who had full careers and lives built Mm -hmm. and I didn't think that they would subscribe to having their dating life exploited with that being said I wasn't exploiting the individuals because I wasn't identifying them I wasn't putting them in my videos right right I was just talking about the journey but there were different junctures where I was like had like a vulnerability hangover or I was worried about having to tell this guy like for example date number two I really liked him and I was dreading being like hey I'm actually doing this like viral project right now that all of New York knows about like are you cool with it because some guys don't want to know that you're dating potentially 28 other guys right you know so it was a lot that was a lot Mm -hmm. wow and I'm curious What did you learn about yourself in this process? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I learned anything is possible because I went from having a platform of 80 followers. This was like my – this wasn't my main Instagram. It was like my like artsy project Instagram. And I went from having literally 80 followers to I think at the end of the challenge I had 38K in the span of a month on Instagram. Wow. Um, so it's like anything can happen. I learned that. I was featured in Bustle, Bloomberg. Um, you know, a lot of people came up to me and they're like, what's your trick? Because I was going on these fun, extravagant, extravagant dates with all these like amazing men. And I think that there's like this preconceived notion that unless you're a model, you're not going to be able to, like, land these guys. Mm. And I'm like, no. Like, they're just people. And so I learned that, like, no one's too good for you. Anything can happen. And then when it comes to dating, I would say be careful about sharing your dating journey online because towards the end I did attract a lot of clout chasers. You know, a lot of people who were formerly on reality TV – there for the wrong reasons. Okay. Yeah. So there was a lot of dynamics at play throughout. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. 
And what about, I'm curious about your pre-date routine, because I talked to my audience about this, but oh. like, you specifically, like, how would you get ready oh my God. for a date? I was a chicken with my head cut off, because <laughs> I was, well, typically I am that as well, like, in my normal <laughs> life, but because I was doing 28 dates in 28 days, yeah. there were some days where I'd be going on multiple dates in a day, right? and um, I was vlogging everything, and then all of a sudden, like, I was, like on Instagram all the time because I had all these people asking me questions and like the following happened. And so honestly, my pre-date ritual was shower, put on perfume, put on makeup. Half the time I would leave the house with my hair wet and I'd be like trying to dry it in the car. Like it was a little chaotic. Um, I wish I could have slowed it down and like actually curled my hair some of the times. Like I swear to God that whole month I never curled my hair. Like I was doing the bare minimum because I was just going on so So many dates and I was still trying to work out and take care of myself. Mm. Um, I like to wear dresses because I like to romanticize dating not that you need to wear a dress. Like, whatever you feel stunning in, yes. that's what you should wear because so many people view dating as work. I, I don't like that mentality. I like oh. to view it as fun, romantic, yes, magical. Yes, I agree with you. You have mm-hmm. to have fun. What you are you do. doing if you're not having fun? Yeah, and, like, that energy transcends. Like, you go to the date, and if you, like, show up, like, oh, this is another date, like, with a bad yeah. attitude, they're going to feel that, and it's going to take away from it. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love I love that mindset shift because that is going to show up in terms of how you talk, what you talk about, mm-hmm. like it just shows up everywhere. It does. Yeah. yeah. So, I have a lot of audience members who I know are on the apps. Okay. And I give my opinion about it, but I'm curious, like what are your tips for success on the dating apps? Yeah. Cuz so many people hate them. No, so many people hate them. I think that Finding an app that works well for you, like there's a million apps mm-hmm. out there. If you're on Hinge and it's not going anywhere, maybe try a different app. Right. Um. Also, make sure you have really good flattering photos. Make sure the first photo is just you, like some of the basics. Um. When it comes to the prompts, I always say like, uh, you know Matthew Hussey, right? Yes. Um. So he talks a lot about um unique pairings. And so when you're answering a prompt, talk about two different things combined that makes you unique. Like maybe you Mm. love cooking homemade pasta every Sunday while reading your favorite um, thriller novel or something like that's like really going to get the right people to be like, oh my God, I like that too. And then you bring in the right people. Whereas if you're just trying to be like everyone else, you're not going to stand out from the crowd and you're not going to attract the right people. Oh. I love that because when we are authentically ourselves, that's when we attract who's meant for us. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you try to be like everyone else, it's just like it dilutes you and it's yeah. boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go to present day. Okay. Where are you at in your love journey, in your dating journey? Are we doing 28 dates in November? I mean, right. Like, what, like what, what's, what's going on? Where are you at? It's so interesting because <clears> – <throat> excuse me – it, the whole journey was so – I don't want to use the word traumatic because – it, but it just was such a crazy experience right. that once – so there was one guy specifically – well, there were a few guys where, like, I thought, like, oh, my God, I found my person, which sounds crazy. But, like, when you go on 28 dates in 28 days, you're meeting a lot of people. Yes. And all of a sudden, like, you go from being, like, I have no prospects to, like, I had, like, four prospects – Um, but none of them worked out. And so after that happened, I needed to take a step back for myself and kind of recalibrate. 
Um, and so now I am trying to do a date a week. I'm not going to lie. Like, I feel like I get a little lazy and I'm trying to get back out there consistently. Um, I feel like fall is kind of like people are back in the city consistently. Dating in the summer can be so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm just, I'm still single, but people might be like, oh, that was a waste of time. You can't be attached to the outcome when you date, right? That puts too much pressure on it. And so I'm not embarrassed or ashamed of still being single because I also have high standards and I'm really looking for somebody who is emotionally intelligent and they want the same things that I want. And so that's not going to automatically come. Um, it's going to take work to find it. So I, I'm putting in the work and I'm continuing to date, I guess. I love it. Yes, you cannot be attached to the outcome. Yeah. Surrender to the process. And I was attached to the outcome because I, I felt the world's eyes on me. And I was mm. – I wanted – you know, like it was almost like um, beliefs around worth. Like right. if I can't find somebody after going on 28 dates in 28 days, does that mean that there's something wrong with me? Am mm. I not worthy? Like all these different, you know, themes came up. And I had to be like, no, I am worthy. Like it just didn't work out. Oh, it's so, mm-hmm. so important to yeah. remember that. And know that, yeah, your worth is not based in your relationship status. Yeah. Right. Um, For you, I mean, I'm curious, like, what are some of the core things that you know that you want in a relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. So I know I for sure want somebody who wants marriage, at least one kid. Um, I'm somebody who needs to be in a city and I'm very ambitious. And so I need somebody who they don't have to have, like, they don't have to like have already made it, but I need to have somebody who wants to have a certain lifestyle that, you know, aligns with my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just like, I think that's it. Like family values, ambition, similar lifestyle. I love to travel. I'm very open-minded. I love that. Yeah. And then I always ask my clients this because I think it's really important. But do you know how you want to feel in a relationship? Oh, I love that question. I want to just feel safe and loved. I do like excitement. And so like stereotypically, I've gone for flashy men. Mm. But the flashy men never work out because like they have like promises that are so grandiose. And then it's all empty. Um, I dealt with a few men who like did future faking. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh. Where they would talk about, you know, like we're going to do all of this, like you're the one, all these things. And it was just empty promises trying to get me into bed. But thankfully I was doing my 90 day rule at the time where I wasn't sleeping with anyone for 90 days. And so it didn't work, but I saw what their, their efforts were really trying to lead to. Yeah. I love that you said this. It never works out with the flashy men. It doesn't. I mean, it didn't for me at least. I mean, maybe someone like could get them, but not me. Well, what I what I appreciate about that is, you know, I always tell people we want to be in reality mm-hmm. when we're dating. Yeah. And I think sometimes when people come on really strong, maybe it's even love bombing in mm-hmm. some way. It's just not in reality. Yeah. Like people need to earn your emotional investment over time. Yep. So it's all about slowing down, gathering the data and saying, has this person earned my emotional investment? Yep. I agree. And I also feel like because I have such an anxious attachment style, I 
would do like I would like call these guys during the day. Yeah. Like I would like do some crazy stuff. Not crazy. I don't like to use that word. But you know what I mean? Emotionally dysregulated, anxious attachment strategies. Yeah, because like for example, one of the guys who I like the most, he I call him date number two. But he was so inconsistent with his communication. Mm. And then I was like, is that my anxious attachment rearing its ugly head? Or is that just my gut telling me there's something off here? And I felt very confused about like which was what. Yeah, let's talk about that. So how do you know when it's your gut, your attachment style, you know? And I I always tell people with your attachment style, a lot of times it's going to be fear. Like if you get down to the root of it, it's like, oh, there's fear. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with your gut, it's an inner knowing. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you talked about... Date number two, being inconsistent, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, there's your anxious attachment style there. The other thing that comes to mind for me is um, intermittent reinforcement. Oh, what's that? So intermittent reinforcement is the same thing that people go through in gambling and why people get addicted to gambling. Okay, because it's like you never know when they're going to pop up. Yes. And And is that addictive to the brain? Yes. Wait, why have I not heard about this? <laughs> I don't know. What? So sometimes certain relationships, the ones that are unpredictable, particularly, they'll have intermittent reinforcement, and sometimes you hit the jackpot. Right. Sometimes it's an amazing date, and you connect so deeply, and your brain's going jackpot, jackpot, right? But then it's more inconsistent. But this is the same kind of thing that gets people addicted to gambling. Mm-hmm. That same pattern showing up in relationships makes a lot of people feel like they just can't leave. Like they can't get over this person because yep. they're actually addicted to that person. And that's how I felt with date number two in that like when I did hit the jackpot, it would be a marathon date that it was at this like Michelin star restaurant followed by like an amazing club that's hard to get into mm. followed by going back to his place where he would cook for me for like a second little snack Followed by, like, sleeping over, even though I wasn't having sex with him. Like, in the morning, we would, like, go and get a green juice. And it was, like, the way he was talking was, like, like, I've never felt like this before. And then, like, so we had, like, this, like, condensed, like, 12 hours together that was magical. And then it would – and then he would disappear. Yeah. And then he'd come back and do it again. And, like, it's so hard. And it's hard to know because I don't know enough about him to know if it was – some sort of I don't want to say narcissistic but maybe or was it avoidant attachment style it's hard to know yeah um but it's like that's not a sustainable relationship right right can I ask you how it ended um so I thought he had a wife or a girlfriend because I found some like blonde extensions in his drawer oh girl and like there were oh no no I know but like there were signs earlier like for example (laughs) I felt like on our second or third date I like he was making me dinner and I opened the closet to grab some wine because he asked me to. And there were like a bunch of women's coats, excuse me. So there's a bunch of women's coats and I'm like, whose are these? And he's like, oh, they're my cut. Like he made up a whole excuse. Like they're my cousin. She's moving, blah, blah, blah. And I like looked up his cousin and she's like this woman who's like in her mid thirties, married, very well to do. And I'm like, why would she need to use your place as storage? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. But I believed him because I had no reason not to. 
but I like my little like alarm bells were going off a little bit. And then the next time I was there, there was like some women's jewelry next to the bed. No. And then that's when I started to snoop a little further. And then I started to dig and I found the extensions and all these things. Oh, no. And I went instead of confronting him. I went online and I was like, this is a little toxic. And I was like, how do you look up if somebody's married? And I asked my audience because there's like background checks, et cetera. And all of a sudden there was an onslaught of people who were like, use this database, like use these different <laughs> techniques, like Google Everyone this, knows. <laughs> like wedding registries, all these things. Yeah. And so I tried to look into it. But I never found anything that alluded to marriage, but I was almost a thousand percent sure that he was probably in a long-term relationship. In a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. So then uh, so then I never talked to him again because okay. I didn't want to confront him. I was, like, a little afraid. Sure. Because I was, like, if he's actually in a long-term relationship he and he's doing this while I'm on such a public platform. Yeah. I was afraid, like, maybe what he way? is a narcissist. Maybe there is a few screws yeah. loose. For sure. And that's why I just immediately distanced myself and I just didn't never talk to him again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was hard. Like, oh, I, like it's so hard. I was like, is he my soulmate? Oh. But also, he did tell me that as a child, he grew up with like his uncle and aunt in another country for the first eight years of his life. Oh. And then he moved to America with his parents, but he viewed his aunt and uncle as his parents for those years and then the move apparently was like super traumatic yeah and so with my psychology background I was kind of like oh maybe there's like some woundedness there sure there's definitely sounds like some trauma yeah yeah Yeah. and I think you know going back to what we said it's like um you you deserve somebody who is going to show up consistently who Mm -hmm. wants to put effort in who can co-create secure attachment and at the end of the day, it's really important that we're saying this isn't about me. Yeah. I am enough, right? I know that I'm worthy of love. And this person does not have capacity to build the kind of relationship that I want to build. Yeah. Or he's in another relationship. Or he's in another. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't, you definitely don't have capacity yeah. if you're in another relationship. <laughs> Sounds like you're at right? max capacity yeah, over there, you're sir. At max capacity. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've been in that scenario as well. I used to. I went through a string of people who were married and it was based on, I now look back and I go, I know it was based on my attachment style at the time. Which was what? Anxious. Okay. So I was more attracted to unavailable men. So anxious people are more attracted to less available people? Yes. Why is that? Because it fits our blueprint for what love is. And then we have a whole other thing called repetition compulsion. Oh. Have you heard of this? Is that where you have to keep doing something until you master it? Basically, it's like you have um, a pattern for love that usually developed in childhood or early romantic experiences, and you're repeating that same pattern compulsively, so not Mm -hmm. consciously. It's a compulsion. And then there's this unconscious wish that this time you'd get a different outcome. Yeah. That if you can get a different outcome this time, it'll make up for all the pain from your past. Interesting. And you see that a lot in relationships? Yes. Okay. Yes. I definitely have that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that was – so I 
my story, you know, I was in a really, really toxic relationship. And then when that ended, I hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And that was my moment of getting myself into therapy and healing. And that's kind of when I learned about my attachment style. And I learned about repetition compulsion. But just having that understanding is so powerful. Mm -hmm. No, it, it is helpful. And like, for me, I don't really know like what I should do because like I think I'm aware of -hmm. my patterns but I think that once I'm in the thick of a relationship it starts to feel very scary again. Yeah Mm -hmm. and this is where this is where my work comes in actually Mm -hmm. that's why I developed what I did Mm -hmm. because I realized that people could have awareness but if you haven't actually rewired your brain or you haven't actually done the internal work of letting things go it doesn't matter, right? It's like you can be aware of it, but you're still going to just repeat patterns until you've really healed and really worked on yourself. Mm-hmm. So we'll chat. Yeah, I know. Honestly, I'm like, <laughs> I need to look into this program because, okay, like you're saying that people need to do the inner work to get a different outer outcome. Unless, yeah. like, I feel like, are there people though that just get lucky? There are people who meet someone who's really, really secure. Mm-hmm. And then over time, they have corrective emotional experiences that then help them. But here's the thing, like, it's just not as likely. Okay. So I, I always believe we should do everything that we can, mm-hmm. right? Like take ownership of how we're showing up. Yep. I mean, I know we could just talk and talk. This has been such a good interview. No, I know. I, I love this. I think attachment's so important, and I think the deeper work is important. Um, so as somebody who's, like, 31, almost 32, like, I've been in relationships. I am anxiously attached. Um, if I am in a secure relationship, could that – like, that would help me move back to secure, Right. What if I'm with another anxious person? Could that ever work? Like what happens when two anxious people come together? (laughs) One of you will probably become avoidant. Oh, really? Because then the other one will like stress us out. (laughs) That could happen. There's a lot of ways it could go. You could have two anxious people. And and the way I like to explain attachment theory Mm -hmm. too is that, okay, you have it on like a spectrum. Okay. So you might have some secure and some anxious. So it's going to depend – what what the spectrum looks like. Um, it comes back to that commitment of, do we want to build secure attachment together? Can we work on ourselves as individuals mm-hmm. and then come together to co-create secure attachment? If you're able to do that, yep. which is really hard, but if you're able to, then it might work. Got it. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. And you probably will experience codependency with two anxious people as well. So that's why, yeah, you really have to both work and then two avoidant people will just never end up together. Two avoidant people will likely just sort of live like parallel lives but not really be connected. Mm. And it's likely that at some point someone will leave the relationship. Do avoidant people not have emotional needs? They do. Oh, they do. They're scared of them. So they're phobic of their emotional needs. Yes, they try to disconnect from them. Interesting. Yeah, this is the distinction I think – a lot of times here because people will they'll mistake avoidantly attached people for narcissists okay but they're they're not they're empathic they have emotions they just don't know what to do with them got it that's so interesting so they want it but they're just afraid because 
yeah. whatever early experience made them feel like that's dangerous. And this is where the caregiver types like us were like, oh, I can help that's you. That's my thing. I love a wounded bird. Even yeah. my astrologer told me, he's like, stay away from <laughs> wounded birds. And I'm like, you're right. No I'll more s- wounded birds. No more wounded birds. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. No. Sucking me dry. Right. Yeah. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to get to a place where you say, I want someone who can also give to me. Yes. I want reciprocal. Yes. And not just monetarily. No. Because a lot of the wounded birds are also rich, like yes. wounded birds, yes. you know? So I'm yeah. like, it's okay. <laughs> we can be in Miami, you know, <laughs> fix you, <laughs> you no. know? Yeah. It's it's so fascinating, isn't it? But yeah, getting to this place where you say, hey, I'm worthy of a reciprocal relationship. Okay. Somebody who shows up for me. Um, and then it's doing that inner work on, on yourself to where you can become attracted to securely attached Mm -hmm. love. Yeah. So do you, sorry, last thing I'm like asking so many questions, but do you think like books, like for example, the rules or like books where it says be hard to get, do you think those are harmful for people who want to be in a securely attached relationship? I do. Oh, you do? Because it, it's just to, like, chase me. Yeah. It's like, almost like the anxious running from the avoidant. It's how to play the avoidantly attached person's game. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's really harmful. How about movies like He's Just Not That Into You? I mean, I think that there's probably some good takeaways from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's hard is about that movie is it's like, she was getting the data the whole time that he wasn't into her. And then at the end, he comes around. And that's just not real life. That's not. It's not real life. The data was there. That movie should end where they just become friends and then she goes off and she does meet somebody wonderful. That's, and he, and that's he's hotter. Reality. And he's hotter. And richer. Like, and that he should be the that should be, yeah. And he expresses his emotions. And he buys her flowers. Like, that should be the end of the movie. That really should. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, good good questions. I love it. I love that you're <laughs> you're asking all these. Yeah, questions. I'm like taking over, but I just like you're the expert, <laughs> I and I have you in a room, and I'm like, okay, I need to ask, so I'm, I apologize. No, I love it. Okay, love okay, it. okay. I want everyone to connect with you. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to follow you. Please tell my audience how can they find you. So I'm Life of Marn NYC on Instagram, Life of Marn on TikTok. My podcast is called Crowdsourcing Love. Um, and I'm also recently starting a new matchmaking business called Mar Dating Club. And that organically started because I had all these people wanting to be connected with each other. It's a group of intentional daters who don't really have trouble with finding a partner. It's more so they just don't have the time or they just haven't prioritized it. Um, and it's a great network of singles, specifically in like the tri-state area of New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. So yeah, find me. And all those places. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Make sure you go check out her podcast. I know it's packed with the real talk Mm, about dating, which is, which is so, so important. And thank you for being a guest. It's been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. And then. Yes. Okay. Where can people find you? Yes. I'd love to connect. I'm on Instagram at Dr. Morgan coaching. And then my podcast is called let's get vulnerable I have everything about attachment theory, all things dating, relationships, and sex. So make sure you tune in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to our sponsor, First Rounds on Me. If you're tired of endless small talk with an overwhelming number of pen pals, go download First Rounds on Me now and get yourself a real date.